You're listening to the Racer to Racer podcast presented by Race 92. Race 92 is a vintage-inspired racing apparel brand specializing in celebrating vintage race culture and adapting to motorsports today. Check out race92.com to see the many different shirts we offer. I'm your co-host, Aaron McAtee, our other co-host. You may have seen him walking out of a great clips with a big old smile on his face. His name is Scott Bowie. Hey, Scott, how are you? Good, Aaron. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. Before we get into anything else, just want to say we have a great show today. Our guest is a current IndyCar driver and a current Indy 500 winner. I know we've been teasing a little bit, but it is Ryan hunter Ray. Yeah, so glad to have Ryan come in. He took a little time out of his day. He was in Indy to do some sim testing. Mm -hmm. He was very kind to come on the show. Uh, So thanks to uh, Ryan for coming on. Absolutely. Um, And before we continue with the show, just want to thank everyone for listening. Thanks for liking, subscribing. If you haven't done that already, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, hit subscribe. Look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else where podcasts can be found. We're most likely there. Please give us a follow. We definitely greatly appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we'll, we're definitely having some other um, really good, exciting um, podcasts coming up after this one. Yeah, and I, I feel like I say this every week, but we've just been very lucky to get some uh, great guests. And Ryan's definitely going to be one of those. And uh, he's uh, he's um, just, uh, you know, he just loves Indy and he loves Indy cars. And um, I know there's a little smoke concerning his uh, future in Indy car right now. And I, for one, hope that he uh, has a full-time ride either with Andretti next year or somewhere else and because uh, he, he is a true asset to the sport. Oh, absolutely. And kind of on a sadder note, um, we've lost um, legendary um, radio announcer. He also did some TV broadcasting, Bob Jenkins. Um, and this was actually your idea, Scott, so I'll let you kind of talk about kind of what we're going to do with this episode. Yeah, and you know we're gonna forego forego our uh, standard format where we talk about past weekend's racing and uh, congratulations to Marcus Erickson though, but uh, uh, in the Indiana you know USAC short track deal and all that, and we're just gonna uh, replay a clip from uh, Paul Page talking about his dear friend uh, Bob Jenkins. Bob, to me, the Thursday Night Thunder um, and Thunder series broadcasts were always so important to uh the midget sprint car world and uh his voice is just legendary and iconic whether it was doing those thunder broadcasts whether it's espn with nascar or if it was what he truly loved and that was the indianapolis 500 and uh we were all very lucky to listen to bob and and get a chance to enjoy his uh uh, commentary and uh, again we're going to just replay um paul page's kind words advice friend from an earlier broadcast and um i hope you enjoy it and one thing i wanted to mention before we get into it um obviously bob passed away from cancer um our ryan hunter ray interview um something that you know kind of works with this is he um is very involved um with cancer research he has a um foundation called racing for cancer so you know i think all of us have been affected by cancer one way or another we all know somebody or you know we're, we're all involved one way or another and you know it's definitely an important cause and um 
yeah, if, if you want to find a way to, you know, how you can help out, definitely check out Racing for Cancer. Um, we'll, we'll have the link in the description. And, yeah, hope everyone um, enjo- enjoys the interview. Yeah, and we're also going to try to uh, have the link for the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway's tribute to Bob as well. Absolutely. Uh, so, if want, so if you want to check that out. Somewhere along the line, um, Bob Jenkins came along, and you kind of returned the favor that um, the this, this Sid gave to you, right? And well, it was Bob, kind of the same deal. Yeah, Bob and I are buddies. We've always been buddies. We were both newsmen originally, uh, working at competing competing stations. He was at WIRE here in Indianapolis, and I was at WIBC. And he, uh, we we talk we talk about racing and what happened at Winchester this weekend and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I had a chance to replace the turn four announcer, I I immediately went for Bob, and. He, he just, he was so good. And he and I and the Speedway tried to put a whole series long radio network together in 1978. And that was fun because it was Bob and I and the engineer and the station coordinator, just the four of us out there. We'd pick up announcers locally, which helped us in two ways. We didn't have to travel an announcer. Everywhere we went, there were good announcers who really knew the tracks locally. Right. And um, so we'd, we'd, pick a few of those up and then they'd get on the air and say, Hey, I'm going to be on the radio network on this weekend. So uh, that was our start. And then in 1979, when ESPN came around, it, it wasn't on the air yet. Um, But I got a call from some of my buddies. I was working for NBC sports now in, uh, in New York. And the, uh, I get this call from this guy who used to be at NBC. And he says, Hey, we've got, we're, we're going to do some racing on ESPN. And I'm like, what's ESPN? <laughs> and he tells me, so it's not on the air. So what am I to think? And he says, I need you to go produce. I know you're exclusive as an announcer, but as a producer, you're not. So I need you to produce for me. So I said, sure. And the, uh, the mobile units, the trucks came from the Christian broadcasting network. And we were doing the, uh, at, uh, Eldora super speedway. And we did everything, unloading of the cars, hot laps, testing, you know, then all the way finally to the main. Um, but I, they said, you got to hire the announcers for this. Okay, so right away I call Bob and I explain what we're doing. And Bob says, that's great. You know, and it was, it was good money considering the day and the time. Right. And um, uh, he said, well, what are we talking about here? What are we doing? And I said, look, it's a 24 hour sports network. It's never going to last. Just take the money and run. He did (laughs) for the next 30 years. (laughs) He, uh, my nephew runs midgets a little bit. And uh, uh, long story short, uh, driver couldn't do uh, like a, like a, Oh, what you'd call it, like a like when you go somewhere and, and there's you got a car, you know, like a signing type thing, right? Right. Yeah. And there, yeah. there there's a pizza place out in uh, Brownsburg. I, I can't remember the name of the place, and I apologize if, if those people are watching. Um, and and the other person they had was Bob, mm-hmm. and Bob was kind enough to come over, and he he did it. And um, so at the end of the day, uh, we were packing up because we were actually going racing that night. And we we're actually uh, running up at uh, uh, Whitewater, okay. wherever you want to call it, but by where Bob's from. And, you know, right. Bob had already talked to my nephew a little bit, you know, and he was, 
you know, he was so excited to talk about that. But what struck me is how, you know, Bob was, you know, just so kind to even come do something like that. He, and, he uh, is, he is first and above all a gentleman. He loves right, fans. Exactly. He loves talking. And he just, he's, he was perfect for the role. Right. And one thing that always strikes me about Bob is he always sounds like he's got a smile. In yeah, his voice. he does. He does. It's, it's an amazing thing. The way he expresses himself, it, uh, he always has a smile. Well, well, think about it. Think about it in my regard, too. We're two race fans who had nothing going for them. And now we're being paid to go to a race when, you know, we'd been clamoring over the, the back gate if we didn't have that thing going for us. So, right. You know, we were in hog heaven of the fact that we could actually go to races, get in, have all the great credentials and get paid to do it. That was, you know, we were, yeah. we, we were in the tall cotton then. <laughs> That's right. Our guest today is currently driving the number 28 DHL Andretti Autosport Honda IndyCar. He is a 2012 IndyCar Series champion and is the 2014 Indianapolis 500 winner. We are joined by Ryan hunter Ray. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Great. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so hey, much. Aaron. You are our... Hey, <laughs> You did hey, it again. Ryan. <laughs> I did it again. I did the same thing I did the other day. You are oh, our... Uh, my new op- that's my new opening from now on. I just call everybody Aaron. <laughs> right, right. So you're the first Indy, you're the first Indy 500 winner we've got on, and the first current IndyCar winners, uh, IndyCar driver. So we definitely really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no worries. I've been, uh, you know, been at the track many years, and I've seen your passion for the sport. So uh, definitely wanted to, um, you know, to give it a go. Appreciate you guys' support over the years, and obviously, uh, you know, your passion for IndyCar racing. Oh, I appreciate that. And I actually, funny enough, I remember you. I think it was 2006 or seven. You were doing Grand Am in Mid Ohio. That was the first time I think I ever met you. There you go. Yep. And then um, actually, I went to Mid Ohio in 2007, and that was your first IndyCar ride, I believe, right? With Ray Hall. That's right. Yeah. My debut with Ray Hall. Yeah, that's right. Um, So, how did you first get interested in racing? Uh, Just always, you know, with my dad, just watching the Indy 500s at home. uh, You know, I always, I always loved. watching racing then he started taking me to some indycar races we went to mid ohio we went to uh grand prix in miami you know we started doing we started jumping around we went to um loud in new hampshire and you know the 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 following and the passion just kind of grew from there and um you know got to a point where he he, he got me a little yard cart for the neighborhood it was actually it looked like rick Mir. it was rick Mears um Pennzoil <laughs> car and um you know, he'd ride his bike and I'd ride my go-kart and, uh, you know, just gradually started doing it more and more to a point where I was going too fast in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, he said, Hey, let's go try this at a racetrack. And we rented a, you know, we rented a race go-kart back then. It was all mom pop stuff. You show up, people are out the back of their pickup right. trucks and, uh, there's a lot simpler times, but, um, yeah, that's where it started. And then, you know, for my, my dad, myself to share that experience on the road, you know, doing that type of stuff. It was a great bonding experience, and we learned a lot about racing, and and it just kind of grew from there. Right. So, would you say your initial goal goal when you started racing was to eventually drive in the five hundred? Yeah, absolutely. It was always IndyCar for me. It was always IndyCar. I I grew up road racing. Um, even then, I grew up road racing. Some of the my friends and go karting were big NASCAR fans, and I was always an IndyCar guy. It was just what what I absolutely loved, and I always wanted to be that you know that American representative because I. I knew there was many different nationalities represented in the sport. And that's another thing I loved about it. Not only you see these guys race on road courses, street circuits, and then you see them super, super speedway next weekend. 
Um, but just the, 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 the nations represented, you know, it really was a very international sport. So, um, even when I was doing really well in go-karts, I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't know it would actually pan out. I always had that kind of feeling like, man, going to give this a go, but it's a, from go-karts, it's a huge leap to think that you're going to end up in IndyCar one day. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a long, long, hard, tough process to get there. But, um, you know, I was, I was very fortunate to have the Skip Barber racing program at the time, kind of really getting fired up at that point was the, um, Skip Barber national series. And they, they awarded, you know, kids, uh, some of the top 16 of the top, um, from around the country come do a three-day shootout you know and and that was really the beginning of of my segue into into racing cars and in the road to indy right and obviously you had um two or three very successful years in champ car and then you kind of got hit with the with the merger into indy car and you were you didn't have a ride for two years right yeah i mean you know, as I was coming up in karting, IndyCar was rivaling Formula One. Uh, you know, Formula One being thrown over, it was like, uh, it, it was everything you'd want it to be. Um, and then right as I was getting into uh, kind of thinking about that transition to cars into Skip Barber and stuff is when the whole uh, split happened. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it fractured the series, but it also made for a lot less opportunities on, on the champ car side, on the road racing side. And right after the split, you know, CART, Champ Car was still the dominant series. It was still the one where all the big teams were in. So I really set my sights on that, went to Formula Atlantic. And um, slowly but surely, you know, Champ Car over the years was dwindling, dwindling, kind of coming down. And um, yeah, and at the end of 05 and 06 is, is probably the uh, thinnest years of, of, of Champ Car. And um, yeah, opportunities ran out and I didn't have a ride. Uh, for all of 06 and half of 07, which to me felt like it was 10 years. Um, I bet. I, I went and started racing um, local stock car races at, at Irwindale Speedway, trying to get kind of my feet on the ground in, in stock car racing. And um, I was picked as a as one of the um, GM driver development, uh, NASCAR development drivers uh, by Hendrick. Um, I started doing that and that kind of took off in 07. Uh, in the beginning of 07, I met Scott Remke and Bobby Ray Hall at, at Long Beach. And I told him, Hey, you know, if you ever need somebody to get in the car, um, get the job done, uh, I'm your guy, keep me in mind. And, uh, lo and behold, I got the call and, um, I was still doing some of the NASCAR stuff, uh, some of the, the testing. And I said, Hey, I've got an opportunity here. I'm gone. What, uh, was it a case where you had like a dwindling hope for, uh, IndyCar racing or was it a case of, hey, I'm just going to do what I got to take, do to stay in the sport? Uh, you know, I'm well, going yeah, to be here no matter what. Yeah, you have to stay relevant. And that's, a, that's the one thing. The more I saw IRL go on road racing, I knew that that competition side was going to pick up big time. You know, I knew they were going to need really good road racers in there. Obviously, I had success in, um, in, in Champ Car on the Ovals. You know, Milwaukee leading um, every lap, which is still a, a record, I believe. And, um so I, I had shown that I, I, I could do it on the ovals um, there. And, and I, I just kept in the paddock. I kept going to races and I, you know, I didn't go to all of them, but I went to some that I could and, and made sure that they saw that I was available. But uh, at the same time, I had, been, I had been out of the seat since the end of 05. And we're talking middle of 07. So um, this was an opportunity where, where 
Bobby wanted to make a driver change midseason. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I think I was one of two that were considered at the time, flew us out there, had some meetings, things like that. And I said, all right, well, you're in the car this weekend. It's like, oh, oh boy, here we go. Um, <laughs> It was awesome, though. It was a great time. David Letterman showed up for that first race. Uh, I'll never forget the opportunity, and I'll always be grateful for it, for sure, because that really catapulted my career in IndyCar racing. So um, I never lost hope, but at the same time, I just tried to drive as much as I could and whatever I could. I drove Peter Barron's GT3 car um, in, in Grand Am um, at, at quite a few races, and then uh, I got the call up from Wayne Taylor to drive the SunTrust car in the championship uh, in the end of the season in the championship defining race um and they ended up winning the championship uh so that that was uh that was really good to stay you know in a whole bunch of different disciplines at the time right so obviously when when you have down moments um i mean what, what was it like to you know be able to win the indy 500 i mean that's got to be something that you dreamed about when you were a kid never thought you would get there and you know like you say you were without a ride for two years and you, I'm sure it's just got to be a crazy feeling to, you know, kind of think back, like I didn't even have a ride and now I just won the Indy 500. Yeah. It's just perseverance. You know, um, my dad always instilled that in me and I, I, I really fought hard for every opportunity that I got along the way. Um, you know, and it, it, it showed in 07 and 08 with, with Ray Hall and, um, you know, with vision and Foyt and 09 and, um, and then the opportunity, you know, to, to drive with, with Andretti came as a three race deal. We, we finished on the podium in our first race, won the next one. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I remember the, during those times when I didn't have a job, um, it got down to the, you know, it got down to where I had, you know, 50 bucks in my bank account. I had nothing left. And I, I really, at times thought it was, it was over. Like this is, you know, you, you gave it your best and it might not work out now. You know, you, you just might have to focus on something different. I'm sure you've seen that, um, that that cartoon where the guy's digging in the tunnel and he's, he just turned around at the, in the tunnel and there's that, all the diamonds are, are inches away right. um, that he couldn't see. And you just got to kind of keep digging that way. Yeah. But the, you know, the Indy 500 and that, that's what made it even, that's what made every success after that point so much more important mm -hmm. to me. Uh, and that's what really gave me, I think um, that, that drive that I think I have, that goes deeper than, than a lot because I struggled. I struggled through uh, securing jobs. I had great, great drives and all of a sudden sponsors would disappear. I had to go get an investor in my career and paid him back for many, many years to come. Um, and you know, there, it was not an easy road to that point. So when, when the big moments do come, um, you appreciate them that much more for sure. All right, Ben. One thing I've always um, really liked about you, you're really involved with um, obviously um, cancer research, you started a foundation, right? Called, um, racing for cancer, racing for cancer. Yep. And that yeah, was obviously that, inspired from your mother. Yeah. Yeah. I lost my mom. You know, obviously she was too young, uh, at that point. I mean, it, it's all about early detection and, um, yeah, just going through that whole battle with her. I knew I, I had to, I had to do something in my position, um, with motorsports and with racing, with IndyCar racing as a platform to do it. Yeah, we found a race for cancer in 2010, and we've raised millions of dollars over the years. Um, and we've we've really put those funds in, in into many different a uh, aspects of the fight against cancer, um, patient care, cancer research, um, <clears throat> supporting medical staff on oncology. Um, you know, we we we've, we've now done scholarships for for 
nursing staff uh, that are that are specializing in in cancer treatment. We've done a lot with with cancer research, some break, groundbreaking stuff going on there. And um, and really patient care is a big one. That was most important to me with my mom because the patient care was horrible when she went through it. So we put a lot of money into um, the Cleveland Clinic Cancer Center, uh, which is a one stop shop. Basically, you know, there's there's physicians, there's doctors, specialists for every different type of cancer that you can think of. And, you know, you can get your 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 um, chemo, your treatment, your um, you know, you can see your doctor all in one place. Whereas with, you know, with my mom, we were bouncing all over town, driving an hour between uh, appointments and all that stuff. So really appreciate everybody's support in that. And um, yeah, if you want to check out some more racingforcancer.com. So when you, you know, you win the 500 and, and you, you know, it's hard fought battle. And what is that moment like? I mean, at what point does it really start to hit you? Does it hit you at that moment? Does it hit you at the end of the season? Um, well, I mean, I, in the race, I knew, I knew about a quarter of the race in, I had a really good car started 19th. Um, and by halfway we were leading and I knew, all right, you've got an opportunity here. And that to a driver is the most pressure you can feel when you fight, especially at a race like that. Um, you know, in the years prior to that at 13, we almost won it. We had a late race restart and, you know, I was a sitting duck, Tony passed me and the red came out or the yellow came out race over. But, um, that's another thing. I had struggled at at my first year at Indy. I was I was rookie of the year, but you never know when you're going to have a really good car. You never know when you're going to have a bad one. And in 2011, you know, we got bumped out of the field. In 2009, I bumped myself into the field when the when the gun went off. So I had felt the lows there. I had felt the highs, some of the highs. And um, yeah, the second half of that 14 race, I was I, I was going to end up in the wall or or right there at the, at the end to 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 win the whole thing because I was so hungry to get it. Um, and, and that's how that, that, the, the way that race ended, it was just amazing how it was a red flag and it was kind of like the sudden death overtime, um, you know, shootout, uh, you know, with seven laps to go, Elio and I passing each other, every lap inside around the outside, um, just, just doing whatever came naturally. I felt like for those last seven laps, I, my, I don't think my rear end touched the seat. I, I was literally standing in it, um, pushing that, that gas pedal, the throttle pedal so hard. Yeah, I mean, it, it to me, it's one of those things. I mean, I guess, you know, at what age, like when you were a kid, did you just fully sell out to the dream? At what age did you decide, man, this is it, this is what I'm gonna do? Um, you know, when when I was in karting with my dad, and um, and and you know, we started as just something fun to do together, and and that was fun sure. at first, and then we started getting more serious about it. And when I knew that when we would go up to a new class, a more competitive class, and things would really uh, be up against it. And I had success and I was winning at every different type of, um, different type of classes, specs, the whole thing. Very fortunate to have had the opportunities that I've had and to have some, have some of the setbacks that I've had as well, make me, uh, who I am right. today. And then when you, when you get into the 500 and you've had all that behind you and then you see your dream is so obtainable. I mean, at that point, it just, like you said, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the, I would think at least for that first 500 win, that that's the pinnacle point. That's, that's the moment that you've been fighting for that entire time. Uh, you'll never be at the first time again. No, I mean, and, and all uh, the, all those memories go through your mind as, as you're on yeah. the cool down lap. And I remember thinking to myself yeah. on the cool down lap, you know, take, take all this in because it's going to go by fast and 
it absolutely did. I mean, even the media tour going on the Letterman show and doing all that stuff, you know, just really took it all in. And um, it, it is just an incredible experience. It's not just winning the race. It's everything that comes with it. Um, you know, you, you've gone from being an IndyCar tri- driver to even I won the, you know, 2012 championship. We won the championship in 2012. And that was, uh, that was hard fought. That came down to the last race um, to the last few laps, in fact. Um, but at Indy, it was kind of a culmination of everything. And it was, it was like, okay, we made it. This is it. Um, and and it, it, you can't describe it. There's no way to prepare for it. There's no way to prepare for that feeling. Um, but it was just a very emotional day. It was awesome. Um, and, and the weeks that followed, you know, you're just trying to let it all sink in and, and yeah, probably after the season ends, you're like, wow, that, that really happened. Yeah. And you got to share it with your family. Um, you you know, which I'm sure had to make that so much more special. Absolutely does. I mean, they've been a big part of everything that, that I've done They're my, you know, support team and, uh, couldn't have done it without them. So yes, absolutely. You're right. I mean, everything about that was a dream come true in all aspects. Right. Um, one thing I want to talk about. So obviously this is the second year of having the arrow screen and I know you had a wreck earlier in the year. I believe it was, it was the same Pete where the tire hit, hit the arrows barber. Um, so obviously there's a lot of trade-offs with the arrow screen, obviously the overheating of the driver being one, do you think the trade-offs are worth it for the aero screen? I mean, I, I do. For years, we've always had our heads exposed and we're doing 240 miles an hour right. at Indy, for example. And, um, you know, yeah, if all goes well, I mean, I, you know, the Conway incident to 2010, I mean, he flew, he flew up into the, uh, up into the catch fence and, and chopped off the top of my roll hoop. I mean, I, I got extremely lucky there. And, um, you know, just what we've seen over the years, yeah, we, we needed something, whether it was a halo or a windscreen, uh, aero screen, but, um, I think the aero screen is, is important for the super speedways. Um, yeah, it has its downside on the street courses where it's, where it's extremely hot. You know, we're doing these first second year corners, uh, with no power steering and there's no airflow in the thing. There's just none. Um, so yeah, you got to take with the good, with the good, with the bad on these, on some of these things. And with a big safety improvement like this, I'll take, I'll take it. I'll take the, uh, the downsides or, um, being a bit hotter in the car for, um, potentially saving lives. Absolutely. Well, hopefully they get something figured out to where it gets cooler. I'm sure um, we'll get there at some point. Um, yeah, it's, it's really an issue on the, on the street circuits where we're, you know, we're down in that concrete Canyon kind of, um, and, and the track temp is so hot. And then you've right. got concrete walls on either side and that heat just has nowhere to go. And we're down in there. And when there's no, when there's a lot of humidity um, and, and we're negotiating all these tight turns, it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely tough. When you're um, it, this kind of almost kind of goes along a little bit. What's happening in NASCAR at this moment uh, in terms of some of the drivers, uh, you know, they're, they're making the changes to Atlanta and some of the drivers aren't very happy and, and that sort of thing. And then that kind of, and that led a friend of mine to ask me this, who, like when you guys have an issue, like just whatever the issue may be as drivers as a whole, do you guys have like someone who goes and speaks to the, that represents to IndyCar, the sanctioning by itself? Um, yeah. 
we used to have a driver, a driver council, you know, where we, we'd have our group and then, and, and one person at the time, I, I believe it was Justin Wilson would, um, you know, we, we'd have our, our group email, we'd go back and forth on these topics and there'd be, you know, hundreds of replies and things like that. We narrow down to what our message wants to be and it would be organized and it would be direct and one flowing message to IndyCar. We went away from that for years and now we're kind of getting back there, but it, it only comes up, I'd say, I'd say maybe four or five times a year where we really have something that we want to, we want to communicate to IndyCar in an effective, efficient manner. And, and um, now James Hinchcliffe has been kind of um, heading that up where, you know, he'll take all the emails, he'll take all the messages and we'll kind of agree or disagree as a group. And then he'll go and speak with, with Jay Fry or, or whoever it may be at IndyCar to get that message across. And, and even then at that point, they may not listen to us or take what we have, or what advice that we're suggesting, but um, at least the message is heard. Because um, if you get a group of drivers in a room and we're all talking about it with, with IndyCar management, you know, it just sounds like a bunch of dogs bark and, um, sure. you know, it, it never gets anywhere. So uh, to do it that way is the best way. And, and we do, we do have some uh, organization there and it, it's not as organized as it used to be back in the, you know, back in the champ car days or cart days or when Justin was doing it. Um, prior to his passing, but, um, yeah, it's close to that. I would say. Um, one of the last questions I was going to ask you, Ryan, before you go, how did you get the, the nickname of captain America? <laughs> I think, um, well, it came from, it came from Lee, Lee Diffie and it, I don't know, it, it came off of, you know, t- 2014 and 2012, uh, obviously winning those and being kind of the American representative, the American driver that was winning races and, Every time I won, I'd always bring that American flag up. I think that was a big part of it. You know, I was I was very proud to fly the stars and stripes. Like when I got out of the car at the Indy 500, you know, that was it was the first thing I did on on the yard of bricks was get that flag out there. And um, it, that was always important to me when I was a kid. I watched and rooted for the Americans that sure. were doing well and that were winning races. And and that, I relate to that. I I wanted them to beat the Brazilians. I wanted them to beat, you know the English and, uh, the, you know, the British drivers, and I wanted them to beat the Canadians. And uh, when I got the opportunity to do that, I, I definitely took, took a hold of it and ran with it. That's great. That, um, well, we got six races left and that's, yep. is that right? Yep. And uh, we got uh, speedway coming up road course. And then we've got Nashville, which is obviously yep. new. That uh, when you go to somewhere new like Nashville, I mean, what what kind of I mean, you can't really sit, you can't really simulate it. I would assume you don't have simulators set up for you, or maybe you do. Maybe you have something already uh, in a system. What? How do you prepare for a, a new course, especially like a road or a street course like that? Well, yeah, it's a good point on the simulator side. We have we do have something that has a, a rough, you know. Uh, we have the layout, so we, we we do have a simulator for that, uh, a, sim, uh, a simulation model for for that. But a simulator is only as good as the model's accuracy. And to get right. that accuracy, you have to you have to work on the track, you have to work on the grip level. Some corners are more grip than others, so that's all based on on experience, on real world experience. So you have to compare what you faced in reality to that sim model and you dial the sim model in from there. So for Nashville, yeah, we, we have no idea if our sim model is accurate or not. We basically use it as a, as kind of, okay, the track goes left here and it goes right there and a little bit of driver familiarity. 
but 99% of the work that we do in a simulator is, is, is for the engineering side to, to make changes, to, to give ourselves kind of a toolbox of changes that we can narrow down on a race weekend and apply it, see if it works from the simulator. Um, because these practice sessions are so short, um, the, the amount of time that we have on track. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's a new challenge. I love, I love going to new places. I like that. Um, and new street circuits because nobody's been there and it's kind of a, a clean sheet of paper, but yeah, we need to, uh, you know, we, we need to get some good results in, uh, obviously at mid Ohio, you know, came in the first corner, I was eighth and got, got cleaned out from behind. And it's just been that type of season one way or another. I don't know why, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, at Indy, we had the brake failure. We, we were running, I think we would have come out. Uh, they told me we would have come out third or fourth after that pit stop. And that would have put us in a great spot to fight for it. And then, you know, the anvil came out of the sky, plopped us. And, uh, that's, that's just how it's been. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Nashville. And then we're testing this week at uh, Laguna Seca or next week at Laguna Seca on Tuesday. Um, and the week following we're testing at, um, at gateway in St. Louis. And then we go back for, uh, the Nashville race, um, you know, onto the Indy GP or the harvest GP, whatever they're calling it. Not really sure to be honest with you. Um, yeah, St. Louis and then the uh, three West Coast races, which uh, really enjoy all those tracks. Do you feel like you have an advantage with all your experience when you go to these new places and it is a clean sheet? Um, in some cases, yeah, but I mean, it's a, it's a street circuit and the driver cap capabilities, you know, the, the, uh, the caliber of drivers is so high that, that everybody is very close. And it really comes down to the setup on the car and how much grip, how, how, how you're really making those tires stay on the road, maximizing right. that, 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 that tire patch that you have on the ground. And yeah, of course it comes down to driver approach as well, lines and, and pedal work and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, the street circuits tend to be a bit more of hair on fire approach and you just gotta, you gotta make do with what you have on a low grip circuit. As a fan, um, my just observational, um, you know, looking at it from the outside, looking in, it appears to me that this is probably about the best group of racers the series has had in a long time. I mean, as a driver, do you feel, can you feel that the, the competition level is just so ramped up or, or is it, or is it always kind of that way? And just, it just seems different today because there's so many young guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the teams and drivers, right? Even back in the car right. days <clears throat> in the, in the mid nineties, um, this is more competitive than it was then because there was, right. there was such a, there was such a discrepancy between teams. Now, even when you compare it to five, six years ago, you have these teams that are, that are just really dialed in with this car. Um, you know, we didn't have an arrow uh, a few years ago that, that is on track and, and is, and is firing on all cylinders as much. And, Ganassi has, you know, three drivers that can win any given week. And, and Penske has, you know, three to four drivers that can compete right up at the front every weekend. And Andretti Autosport, the same. And, um, you know, you just coin is up there now all the time. And it's just maximized, right? So all these teams are now working within such a small window with the car. And these drivers, all the drivers are so good that, you know, it used to be if you were off by, a tenth and a half, you know, it, it might be a spot, might be a spot or two. Now a tenth and a half, you could be, it could be eight spots at some of these tracks. So yeah. uh, very, very, very competitive. And, and I think that's not only down to the drivers, but that's down to the caliber of the teams and the personnel there. 
as a as a driver yourself, is it do you feel more comfortable racing group against that group of cars that is so you know everybody's so good that you know it's so tight you know the speeds are you know there's not that huge discrepancy so you're not running up on guys super quick and, and things like that or I mean is it, I mean it obviously changes the way you have to race. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to you have to go for every opportunity because um, you yeah. may not know if you get it again, especially on starts. That's why the guys are everybody's so aggressive on starts and restarts and things like that. Um, there's a lot of emphasis on pit lane, um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't really think of it as 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 you know that that the driver the driving pool was not so weak to where it was a safety issue in the past. Right. This is just it's it's really amped up now to where we've gone from 95% to right at hundred. I mean, it's, it's just um, the opportunities when you, when you, when they present themselves, you have to capitalize. Right. Absolutely. And <clears throat> I, I just want to say on a personal level, thank you very much for coming on. I know you have a very tight schedule. Uh, very kind of you. So thank you. No worries. My pleasure. Thank you guys for your, uh, your passion and uh, support. Really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you so much, Ryan. And thank you for, you know, always being cool with the fans, having time for the fans. Um, like we said earlier, I've seen you, you know, the racetrack for the past probably 15, 16 years now. So it's definitely been an honor and um, definitely look forward to hopefully seeing IndyCar many more years. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. For now, I, do, I do have one, one last question. <laughs> Is it, would it be safe to say that it's Max Gordon's world and we're just living in it? He's just, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Kid has loads of talent. Absolutely. Hopefully yeah. He can make, uh, hopefully he can make something of that. We, we really, we'd love to support him in that. But yeah, he's been, yeah, he's been wheeling cars since he was or four, I think, off road cars and stuff like that. So it'd be great to see him on pavement as well. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've had a chance to watch him just a little bit and he's, he's great. So absolutely. Thanks again. We appreciate it. Yep. Thanks. All right. Ryan. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Take care, Ryan.